0: Hello, and welcome to the Nature Inspired Podcast. I am your host, Emma Hawthorne, a budding conservation biologist, performer, and yogi. Before we begin, I would like to pay my respects to the traditional owners of the land I am sitting on today, the Ugambi language region, and pay my respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Today, we are talking about letting go of environmental perfectionism. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, basically, I find there is a misconception that in order to be an environmentalist or live a green life or live in harmony with nature, we need to be perfect at it, make no impact on the planet whatsoever, be a perfect citizen of Mother Earth. However, not only is this impossible to do, We all rely on and need to use resources on this planet for food, water, clothing, and shelter. And resources have been used since the beginning of humankind. So thinking that there is a perfect way to live often stops us from taking any healthy action. And often it becomes an excuse for us not to act. We're not ready. We don't have the funds. We're not in the right place. And it also perpetuates the idea that we are separate from nature. And as I have said before and will continue to say, we are nature. We are not separate. We are. There's also a myth that there are these areas of pristine wilderness that have never been touched by humans. Yet this is not the case, no matter how remote or far away from urban centres or agricultural centres we get, human beings have impacted the entire planet. Through our behaviours, we've accelerated the warming of the planet and shifted our entire climate. Everything has been impacted. There are even microplastics now being found in Antarctic snow. Weeds have spread across the globe. Invasive species have come in. Erosion has modified both terrestrial and aquatic landscapes, and so on and so on. So we are at this point where we can't just sit back and let nature do its thing. We need to support nature. We can't just fence off areas and hope for the best. The idea that there is pristine wilderness has also been used to deny Indigenous peoples of their land under the guise of protection of these natural areas, suggesting that we need to keep people out of these areas. However, Indigenous peoples across the world have always used nature and shaped landscapes, and in their absence from these ecosystems, studies have shown that ecosystems have become degraded So we need to release these ideas of perfect environments as well. This idea of wilderness is a European concept and it's helped to cement into societal thinking that we are separate from nature. And when we consider ourselves separate from nature, then we're able to destroy and clear it and decimate it without feeling the pain and without having any regard for it. Yet when we consider land as our kin then we have more respect for it and we use the resources more respectfully and sustainably. Being perfect on any level is a myth in itself. The Oxford Dictionary defines perfect as having everything that is necessary, complete and without faults or weaknesses. It also suggests that it's being completely correct, exact and accurate. I would instead like to add my definition to perfect as an unobtainable desire or ideal that differs from person to person. With this definition, perfection is a myth. And if we consider perfection as unobtainable, then it seems ludicrous to aim for it. Nature itself is messy. Consider a tree. Every tree that we see is unique and different. It twists and augments as it reaches for the sun. In most cases, a tree has no choice on where it's planted. A seed lands and starts to grow. Some trees have been found to live for over 5,000 years. So trees are patient and resilient as they face all sorts of weather. Looking at a tree, at all its imperfections, we can see its story. And I think this is beautiful. I think that imperfection is actually perfection. And stick with me here. If imperfection is perfection, then all beings are perfect. So if you are already perfect in all your imperfections, you do not need to wait for the perfect conditions to take action. You do not need to give up when you falter and stumble. In the case of living a more eco-friendly life, remember, there is no perfect. Every step we do does have an impact, no matter how lightly we tread. Every action we take also has trade-offs most of the time. If we consider conservation actions, there are always trade-offs, i.e. some negative impacts. Yet as conservationists, we try to take the best action that has the most positive impact with the least amount of negative impacts or trade-offs. If we remove, say, invasive weeds that are smothering native plants, which many other native animal species might need for their survival as part of their diet or shelter, we sometimes remove habitat of other species who have adapted to the invasive weeds and found purpose for it. I once remember removing a whole bunch of lantana, which is an invasive weed, very prominent in Australian landscapes. And as I was removing this, and luckily I was going pretty slow, it was just me, I came across a few fairy wren nests. So these fairy wrens, with the absence of any other vegetation nearby, had made this their home. So there's always trade-offs, and even when we think we might be doing the right thing or the perfect thing, it's not always the best option. But we can't give up trying. Let's look at a rather large conservation action that was taken to restore a species in the U.S., the grey wolf. The grey wolf used to roam freely throughout the U.S., but due to habitat destruction and extensive extermination, the grey wolf populations greatly diminished. So as an act of recovery, during 1995 to 1997, grey wolves were released back into Yellowstone National Park. Now, not only did this help to increase grey wolf populations, but it also had what is known as a trophic cascade effect, So basically, this is a butterfly effect in the entire ecosystem from top to bottom. By reintroducing an apex predator, deer and elk numbers, which had become increasingly abundant, were regulated. And this enabled certain types of vegetation that the deer and elk had been eating to recover. One such type of vegetation that was able to recover were the willows, which beavers need to survive. So with the willow populations restoring, beaver populations also started to increase. So you start to see the pattern here. Beavers are important in stream health as they create natural dams and ponds in streams. And that enables fish populations to increase, which in turn bring in more birds to the ecosystem. And so it goes on and on. As I mentioned in episode one of the Nature Inspired podcast when I was speaking on Biodiversity Day, we live in a complex, intricate web, and so you can see the ripple effect one action can have. Of course, this action was a rather large, well-funded, and incredibly planned group conservation action. But everything we do makes an impact, and as climate change continues to pick up momentum, We don't have time to wait for the perfect solutions to arise. And in the case of grey wolves, there were so many unknowns. There's only so much one can hypothesise. So although there were so many positive impacts with the reintroduction of these grey wolves, there were also some really negative side effects, including the hunting of wolves as soon as they roamed outside of the protected national park, which put them at risk and also tensions between farmers in the nearby areas who were worried about wolves hunting their livestock. So not all conservation actions are without consequences. And we cannot please everyone and everything, which leads me to my next point. We cannot and never will be able to please everyone. Full stop. So if not wanting to ruffle anyone's feathers or annoy anyone is reason for you holding back on taking action in your life, then you need to let this go. And as a self-confessed people pleaser who struggles with people pleaser syndrome on a daily occurrence, please know I'm also talking to myself when I say this. We are all on our own journeys and we need to do what is right for us in this time and space. Also, if we are aiming to be perfect for the benefit of others, This is just insane as everyone's ideals and desires and visions of perfect are different. Once again, these are unobtainable desires. So staying in our lane is important and letting go of also comparing how our actions fare to others. I was recently involved in a climate change seminar where we were learning about daily actions we could take to make a difference. And I'll be sharing some of these later on in the podcast. To complete the course, we had to finish by making a pledge. One small action we were going to take today to help the environment. And this is actually a really great thing to do because it holds us accountable by declaring and pledging something in front of other people. And makes us really consider what is something I can do today. Now, one of the pledges was to eat more plant-based meals per week. Now, just before we move on, I'm going to quickly explain how choosing more plant-based meals can have a profound impact on the environment. According to a new study by Joshua Gibbs and Francesco Capuccio, moving towards plant-based diets could reduce diet-based land use by 76%. Greenhouse gas emissions related to diet could also go down by 49%. And there would be lots of other environmental benefits as well as health benefits, including obesity, type 2 diabetes, and cardiovascular diseases. And before you say, well, soy products are causing devastating deforestation, 77% of soy production globally goes to meat and dairy production, with the rest used as biofuels. Uh, biofuels, I should say, used in industry and vegetable oils. So actually, only 7% of global soy production is used as direct human consumption. Another outstanding or astounding statistic is that to produce just one kilogram of beef, it takes approximately 43,000 liters of water. Now, when you compare this to a grain... One litre of grains only requires about 1,000 litres. Not to say that 1,000 litres isn't a lot as well. Now, back to the story about this climate change seminar and the pledge. There was a guy in this course that said he would not be giving up any meat, not even one meal per week, until his vegan flatmate gave up his car entirely. Basically saying that unless his flatmate was environmentally perfect... He wasn't going to do one thing. He wasn't going to take one action. I've had this happen to me in life as well. Uh, several years ago, I bought a bus to convert into a home on wheels. And my aim for this was to create as eco-friendly a house as I could. Uh, so I wanted this to be off the grid. So I installed solar panels I used non-toxic um, paints with no volatile organic compounds. Uh, I used secondhand building materials to do the bulk of the work. Uh, there was a compostable toilet, so reducing significant amounts of water. Um, and basically was able to live off the grid uh, and use very minimal water living in this bus. And I remember being hassled once by someone who said, but isn't this diesel? Doesn't the bus use diesel? Well, of course it used diesel. Unfortunately, at this time in my life, uh, having an electric bus um, wasn't an option. But I also didn't own a car and this was my prime driving and house. So it's just that thing that we have this judgment often to expect that if someone is taking any action towards being more eco-friendly, that they have to be perfect in it. But as we keep coming back to today, there is no perfection. There is no perfect way to live. We all do have an impact on this world. And all we can do is just try our best. And every little action we do does make an impact. The other thing I want to bring up when discussing environmental perfectionism and letting go is forgiveness. We need to forgive ourselves when we mess up, even when we know better and just be kind to ourselves. I have a keep cup as a lot of people do these days. And I certainly try to remember when going out. And if I do forget it and I've got the time, then I will sit at a cafe instead uh, to avoid single use plastics. However, there are times when this just doesn't happen. Maybe I'm on a long road trip when I'm feeling exhausted or have no water on me, and I need to buy a drink. There's been times where I've had such overwhelm about the simple act of buying a drink to sustain my health for the day that I've actually been choosing to put my health at risk. So we need to forgive ourselves in these crazy, fast-paced lives we live. We can't always get it right. We can't always be perfect. We just need to let it go. The same comes when we have shopping choices. It can be so overwhelming and sometimes money and time dictate our choices. And coming back to this perfectionism idea, even when we make healthy environmental choices, such as choosing not to purchase palm oil or only buying sustainable palm oil uh, for the purpose of trying to avoid more rainforests being cleared, sometimes the alternative oils that replace it might have just as much impact on the environment and the uh, use the same amount of water and land clearing. So it can be tricky, especially as consumers. So key message here, be kind. Kind to yourself, kind to others. So now as we are letting go of environmental perfectionism, we're getting into the groove. Let's look at some simple and economic solutions we can take to support the environment. The cost of living today is tough. So today's offerings are either free, low cost, or even save you money. Now, as I list these, these are just offers and inspiration. This is by no means, absolutely by no means, a to-do or a must-do list. If a few of these resonate and feel within your means right now, Start implementing them in your life. And I want to reiterate, I do not do all these things. However, most of them are on my would love to do when the time is right list. So in no particular order, here are some great ways to help save the environment right now. Simple, economic. One, turn off all electrical switches when they are not being used. Yes, this can be annoying, but studies have shown that we can save quite a bit of money per year by doing this simple act. And then we're conserving these essential resources that unless we're on solar panels and completely off the grid, uh, are non-renewable. Two, make your own candles. So although there is a small startup cost for making your own candles, the cost of natural made candles... Ends up being way cheaper than the pricey designer ones we see at markets and in stores. And you can use old jars from the pantry, peanut butter jars, etc. And this can be a really great way to have mood lighting at night and save you on your electricity bills. Three, volunteer on the weekend for an environmental cause. If you're wanting to save money, and you're wanting to do something to help the environment feel per- purposeful, connect to community, then there are an abundance of opportunities out there, and a lot of these are kid friendly, as I mentioned in my first episode. So have a look at where you could volunteer, plant a tree, uh, learn to compost food, uh, remove invasive weeds, whatever it might be. Four, don't throw out the ends of fruits and veggies. So many fruits and vegetables can re sprout from their seeds, um, and they can even be as simple as placing uh, the cut end of a vegetable into some water and it will just keep regrowing a little bit like the endless Tim Tam pack. So, Google whichever vegetable or fruit you might be looking at to see if there's an easy way of allowing this to regrow. Five. Take yourself for a walk in the local national park or recreational area. Learn what is around you, what creatures, what species need your support and connect with nature. So many studies have been shown that this also helps to calm us and and bring us down from the cortisol highs that we happen to have in these stressful lives we live. Six. Download some citizen science apps and contribute to science in a really fun and playful way. There's so many different ones. There's um, a great app called Frog ID where you can record frog calls and then you're able to figure out uh, what frogs are in your backyard or in your local area and also support data. Um, There's other ones where you can take photo and you can upload them to iNaturalist and This uh, enables scientists to use this data to find out where species are migrating to and living uh, or where they might be absent from. There's a whole lot of citizen science projects out there. Have a little look and see what's around your area. Seven, do an audit of your technology. So everything we have in storage, even if it's up in the cloud, uses energy. So Get rid of what you don't need. Get rid of the duplicate photos, the blurry photos, the photo you took of uh, a poster for an event that happened six years ago that you no longer need. This is one I particularly need to do and want to do. Eight, don't buy new cleaning rags. Use old clothes that are too worn to wear and use them to do all your dirty work. Nine. Plant your own garden. There are solutions for every size and space. And this can be a really economic way of feeding yourself and knowing that your products are organic because you won't be using pesticides or most likely won't be using pesticides. And it's also uh, drawing down carbon into the soil as well. 10. Instead of going to the gym, perhaps utilize what you have around you. You can walk to the shops rather than walking on the treadmill. Walk to visit a friend. Uh, clean your car. It's a great workout. I did it the other day. Uh, do some gardening, shoveling, digging a hole. Whew, that is tricky work. And it's also a great way to reconnect and get yourself outside. Eleven. Switch out fluorescent lights for LEDs, which use a lot less, which use a lot less energy. And they're also going to save you a lot of money. 12, buy secondhand. There's so many clothes on this planet and a lot of our commercial lines end up in landfill. That's right. If they're not sold, they often end up in landfill. And I learned this the other day and it has stuck with me and my soul and I just cannot let go of it, but to produce one pair of new fresh jeans... It takes the same amount of water that one person needs for seven years of their life. Not to mention all the toxic dyes and that that go into the water and often um, the unethical uh, labor that's involved in making such products. So buying secondhand, you're already using something that's in existence and that can be very helpful and super economic. Thirteen. I like this one, haven't done it yet, would love to try. Weaving a basket from old, wi- old wines, old vines. You can make shopping bags and vessels and it could be a really wonderful way to go foraging in the forest as well. Fourteen brings me to foraging. So things such as dandelion, a lot of the things we consider weeds are actually edible, uh, but I will put in here, that you need to be very careful in identifying these uh, because some can be poisonous if misidentified. But things such as dandelion, which are in abundance on most sides of the road, um, can be used, the leaves can be used to eat, uh, the petals can be made to make tea, and even the stems can be used to uh, weave. Fifteen, if you don't have much money, To splurge on a romantic dinner, take a romantic picnic instead. Not only are you going to get outside and connect with nature, but you're probably going to reduce the amount of food that gets wasted. 16. Air out your jeans and clothes that aren't really worn much and turn clothes inside out to help the colours fade less. This is going to make them last longer and therefore we won't have to replace them as often. Number 17, turn off any outdoor or garden lights when not being used. Not only is this going to save money, but it also helps with light pollution, which affects the circadian rhythms of our nocturnal animals. So reducing that light or switching it off completely can help support those nocturnal animals. Eighteen. Eat off leaves instead of plates. If you are growing banana leaves as such in the backyard, chop one off, give it a bit of a clean, and then you have a plate. Number 19, compost. Create a compost. So food waste creates so much carbon emissions per year. So we want to reduce our food waste and turn it into a resourceful resource, something we can actually use. So you can use it in your soil to help plant uh, and grow your veggies. Um, also, I believe at places uh, there are community compost where you can go and add your food scraps to help contribute to a community garden or a cafe or a restaurant that has their own garden. And finally, number 20, If you haven't done much physical activity for the day, maybe consider having a small, quick wash instead of a long, luxurious shower. Not only are we gonna save on our hot water bills, but we're also saving on water. And then when we do have our luxurious bath at the end of the week, we're gonna really appreciate it more. Now we've come to the end of this episode If you have enjoyed this episode, if it's lit something up within you, then subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss the next episode. Uh, To check out some great resources mentioned in this podcast, you can head to www.emmahawthorn.com forward slash podcast forward slash environmentalism. If you want to connect, find me as Emma Hawthorne on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or my YouTube channel, Nature Inspired Yoga and Dance, which has many free resources for you to use. I hope you have a great week, and I'll leave you with this Chinese proverb. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. Cheers, peace,